You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. You don't want to miss this. Um, we, are, we are starting off with our two-minute ministry time. And we've, like we've said in the past couple of weeks, we just open up this as a ministry space, just kind of as a uh, family, as a community of God. We want to have times where we give testimonies, um, where we do theological teachings, um, and, and where we have missions reports, people coming back for missions reports where we just say, hey, how's it been going, or, or missions opportunities, opportunities to give. And today we get a testimony from our very own Linda Adams. So I'm going to bring Linda up here, and let's give her a round of applause. For those of you that don't know me, I've been in a relationship with my Lord for 20 years. Some would say a late bloomer. I moved to the Sioux Falls area in July of 2016. It was not my choice. August 7th was my first Sunday at Life Church in the old building. It also was not my choice. I don't recall who preached that day, but I was still remember the sermon. Being content where God has you. For me, it was profound because I didn't want to be here. Today, I want to share with you about an incredibly merciful, forgiving, loving God that heals. He's my God. He's your God. For 18 years, I used a cane to get around. And even then, it was difficult for me to lift my feet and take a step. If a store didn't have an electric cart, I didn't shop there. In most days, it was difficult for me to get from my vehicle into the store. On February 1st of this year, I started seeing a chiropractor, a servant of God, who will take no credit for the work God does through him. In his a function assessment of me, I could not lift my feet off the floor, even when I held onto him for balance. After seeing him for treatment, Three times a week for three months, my feet started to come off the floor. And shortly after, I no longer needed a cane. I am now able to climb stairs and ladders. And in October, I kayaked for four hours without any pain. I don't know why he allowed me to go through 18 years broken. But I'll, I know he has a purpose in everything he does. I pray that he isn't finished with me yet because my left knee needs his healing touch. <laughs> this wonderful God has healing for all of us, whether spiritual, emotional, or physical. And I just ask when you see me working around the church, there's no need to thank me. Give your thanks and praise to our Lord for blessing me with this incredible hearing. Yes, and we aren't going to thank Linda. We will thank the Lord today, but nobody knows how much of a blessing that she is, more than Pastor Bill and I, because we see all the things she does around the church, and it has been really cool to just witness the Lord's healing touch on her. As she has given herself to serving the church, the Lord has equipped her and healed her to do that, and a lot of times I think that's the way it is. When God calls us to do something, he equips us to do it with whatever we need to do it. And so we just give God thanks and praise for her life. And now Pastor Bill is going to come and introduce our guest speaker today. I'm super excited for the rest of this service that's going forward. I think that God has some really 
impacting things for us. Um, let me just take you back in time just a little bit as a way of introducing uh, our speaker and give you a little bit of context here. Uh, as you all know, this is a new, newer building for us, even though we've been here now a couple of years. This is, this is, is new to us. We were on uh, 11th and Grange. Um, when we left that building and came over here, we tried to sell that building. And uh, it seemed like as we were trying to sell that building, it just wouldn't sell. And it just seemed like God was closing all of those doors. Um, and I came to David and I said, hey, hey, maybe we need to just like take the sale signs down. Maybe we need to stop all of this. Maybe there's something that we need to do and we need to make this building, you know, functional for the kingdom of God again and, and uh, really see what we can do. And David uh, agreed with me um, and he started talking to guys. And before long, there's a meeting in, in one of the rooms here at the church and a group of guys from various ministries in the community just came in. And just started talking. Seth, uh, we talked to him a lot about utilizing the building and, and, and others. Uh, long story short, I'm sitting across the table from a guy. Uh, I'd never met him before. I met him there at that meeting. And I'm listening to him and talking a little bit. He's talking a little bit. Uh, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, God, now that's the kind of guy I could work with right there. Like, I'd, I'd like to work with him. Like, like he's, got the, he's got the right DNA, you know? And, uh, and, and so I was like, this, this, this is an interesting meeting. Like, I feel like these guys are good. Well, all of that fell through. All of that fell apart, you know? And I was like, oh, well, you know, let's, let's move on. Uh, but then the building sold, and, and we moved on here. Um, but then uh, we had a retreat for discipleship. And David took care of setting that all up, and uh, he, uh, he made sure all the speakers were there and ready and set, so I didn't have to do anything with that. I just came and, and smiled and enjoyed it, okay, which was great, all right? But then, all of a sudden, he gets up and announces one of the speakers, and it's this guy, this guy that I saw at the table, and I'm like, look at there, there he is, you know? And I'm like, now he's preaching, and I'm like, wow, this guy, so, God, why couldn't this guy be at our church? You know, why couldn't he be with us? He's, I like this guy, okay? And I got, I got to meet his family a little bit. And uh, lo and behold, one Sunday morning, this guy walks into Life Church. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you here? You know? And little did I realize is that somehow God smiled favorably on the desire of my heart and brought this guy into Life Church, and he and his family have made Life Church their home, and he'll share with that with you uh, in sharing today. But uh, John Warden and his wife Jenny and their children, uh, they are an amazing family, and they have a wonderful story to tell. And I am just so thankful that uh, they are a part of Life Church, and they're with us. And so I get to do ministry with this guy, and it's great. And you know I don't share this pulpit with too many people. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And it's not because I think I got it. It's because I know that I have the responsibility to care for your souls. And I will not allow someone to stand up here who I do not know and do not know their walk and do not see the fruit of their life. And I have seen it in this family. And John, would you please come? And Life Church, would you welcome one of our own, John Warden today? Thank you, Bill. I like you, too. <laughs> that was a great introduction. Wow. That was awesome. Well, thank you, Life Church. What a, what a 
fun morning this is. I am so thankful to be here, a privilege to be able to share with you. Um, and I also want to just say a thank you to you as a church. Uh, as Bill mentioned, our family has made Life Church home the last couple months, and you've been so welcoming and inviting to us, and it's been such a blessing to kind of slowly get to know folks and to be a part of your ministry here. So uh, thank you to you, uh, Life Church, for welcoming us, and what a blessing it has been for us. Uh, two weeks ago, when we did the local ministry Sunday, I le- that was such an awesome Sunday. I just, I left so inspired by what God is doing, and just motivated, and just so blessed by that. And, you know, today is kind of a compliment to that. The scriptures say, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And that's what today is about. Not just going to our neighbors, not just going to the school across the neighborhood, or the family across town, but going to the far reaches of the globe to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, God is writing this great, big, giant, beautiful story. And it's about his love, his never-ending, never-giving-up redeeming love. And we see it from the very moments, the opening moments of Scripture, when he comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to bless all nations through you. And then chapter after chapter, there's this thread of a God on a mission all the way to the end of Scripture where we see this incredible picture in Revelations where there's every tongue, every tribe, every nation and people around the, glo- around the throne of God giving glory to God. What a, think about that, what a picture of it, a beautiful multi-ethnic body of Christ that is. It's a beautiful story of grace and love and forgiveness But you know what I find so amazing about that story is that in the midst of it is this broken people, broken yet chosen people that God has called into that mission with him, a people that God has said, it is through you that I want to bless the nations of this world. God has decided to carry his message through us to every corner of the globe. As followers of Jesus, we have been grafted into this mission that God is on. The same words that echoed to Abraham in the heavens years ago, they echo to us today. Go. Be a blessing. Leave the comforts of your home. Leave your people. For some, leave your land. Go. Be obedient. Trust me. Share the gospel with those who long to hear. God's intention to bless the nations is combined with human commitment to obedience. Let me say that again. God's intention to bless the nations is combined with human commitment to obedience. You see, God has a passion to reach the nations, and he intends to use us and our obedience to accomplish it. Are we ready? Are we willing? Are we willing to be obedient? You see, global missions, it's the thing that we're celebrating today. It's not this optional program in the church. It's not this, like, well, only for those who are really excited about Jesus, they're the ones who do it. No, friends, global missions, the spread of of God's glory across the globe to all nations and all peoples, it's the very purpose of the church. It's the heartbeat that God has given 
We exist as a church to give God glory and to spread his name and his glory across the world. Every single one of us is called to it. Now listen, we all have different vocations, right? I'm a pastor. Some of you might be farmers or an electrician or a nurse or an accountant or a stay-at-home mom or a college student. We all have different jobs. But God has called every single one of us to play a part in accomplishing this mission. From Papua New Guinea to Mongolia to Burkina Faso to Yemen to Bahrain, God has called us to enter in to this journey and this mission. The question for us is not, am I called to global missions? That's not the question. The question is, how am I called? Because we're all called to participate. No single one of us has been excluded. It doesn't mean we're all going to pack up our things and head across the globe somewhere, but we all are part of the journey, and God has called us to respond in obedience. Everyone plays a part. You see, to belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations with him. I'm excited that Life Church is a part of this process that we're having today, that we're here today celebrating what God is doing through this church around the world. And I'm really, really excited about what the future weeks and months bring for this church and for what God wants to do through our obedience as we respond in boldness to make disciples of all nations. Bill and Dave asked if we would just share our story a little bit with you this morning. My wife and I and family, we've kind of been involved with Global Missions for about 20 years. And so uh, I'm going to invite my wife, Jenny, to come. She's going to share a little bit about our story just to give you a brief background of who we are. Good morning, everybody. Um, I just want to preface this uh, before I share our story that um, we're really not here to highlight ourselves. We really want this morning to be about God, what he's done in us, how he works in all of our lives. Um, and we really feel like we are kind of passengers along on a crazy journey. <laughs> um, and that's really what today is about for us. Um, as I was praying about what to share, it, it's hard sometimes to culminate 20 years into, I mean, I guess we have to be done before three, right? It's three? Okay. So um, uh, I was trying to find uh, how to highlight how to highlight God's uh, journey that he's had us on. So I, I wanted to start with um, just one of the more defining moments of my life. It happened when I was a senior in college. Do we have any seniors in college? Yes. All right. So my senior year of college, I went to a college that um, had a J-term. And during J-term, uh, they sent out a lot of mission teams. And I got to go to Kenya for, for the month of January. It was probably about the second day that I was there. I woke up at like 4 in the morning. I think I was probably a little jet-lagged. And I could not... Um, could not go back to sleep. So I didn't want to wake anyone up. I grabbed my Bible and journal and I headed up. Um, I, I found this place kind of up on, on the rooftop and it was overlooking this cement courtyard. And I'm sitting there um, and pretty soon a young African woman came walking in with this big basket on her head. And I'm watching her. She puts the basket down and I realize it's filled with her wet laundry. And um, she starts to hang up her laundry. There was wires 
kind of going from one end of the courtroom to another, and I'm watching her hang up this laundry. And I'm, I start thinking to myself, um, how different her life is than mine. A 20-year-old college student, she's probably about my age. It's about 5 o'clock in the morning now. She's hanging up her wet laundry, which means she's already almost done with her laundry for the day. She was probably has been working on it for about an hour, um, you know, hand-washing everything. And I start having this dialogue with the Lord, um, and I remember saying in my mind to, to God, um, you know, there's something super attractive about her lifestyle right now to me, and I think, I think I could live like that. Like, I don't, I think I could bypass the laundry machines, <laughs> and I think I could do that. And uh, God, in that moment, you know, asked me this question, well, then why don't you? And um, it was one of those kind of right to the soul <laughs> piercing questions that I had to kind of deal with for the next three and a half weeks. Um, now, as a senior in college, I had a lot of plans already made. Um, I was about to move to a new city after I graduated. I had all that figured out. Um, I was getting married in six months and had a lot of my wedding plans done. I had a wedding dress. Um, I had grad school applications all written out and ready to send when I got home. Um, and I, I wanted to share this story to really highlight that oftentimes God's calling doesn't come at the most convenient times in our lives. Um, for me, it was, it was an interruption. It was a big interruption. Um, and it was, it was painful. It was a painful interruption. It was hard for me. It was hard for a lot of people around me um, to be thinking about these things. But I knew at the end of those three weeks I was struggling with how to fit God's calling into my plans that I already had. How, how am I going to make this all work? Um, and at the end of those three weeks, it was two things were clear. One, he was undeniably calling me to the mission field. And two, there was no way it was going to fit in the plans that I already had. <laughs> so I, I had to make, I had to make a hard, some hard decisions. Um, but, you know, I look back at that time now, and I'm so very thankful that God interrupted me. Um, I think what a blessing that, that he would take the time to interrupt me. There was nothing wrong with the plans that I had for myself. Um, he just simply had something better. And he, he took the time to interrupt me to give that to me. Um, and as I was preparing this this week, um, you know, my heart was really stirred with Am I still asking God? Am I still open to God's interruptions today? Um, and I think oftentimes um, I'm not, if I'm honest. It's a struggle to continue to say and even ask, God, will you interrupt? Will you interrupt me? Will you interrupt the plans I have? Because I know you have something better. Um, so I did actually, after I graduated, I, I went to Kenya for a year and worked at a home for street boys there. But I want to fast forward now to uh, when John and I started talking about getting married. Knowing my passion for missions, he also came with his own experiences in missions. And we knew missions was going to play a role in our marriage somehow. We weren't sure what that was going to look like, if it meant 
we were going to go overseas or we would just be very involved in our local church missions or uh, we're going to support missionaries financially. We weren't sure what that was going to look like. But when we got married, the first few years as we began to dream and plan our future together, what God would have for us, all roads just kind of kept coming to the same, ending at the same conversation of um, cross-cultural missions. It seemed God was really calling us there. Um, so it was about a three-year process for us from the time we started looking into mission organizations to raising funds to um, selling our things. Um, we ended up going with Food for the Hungry to Bolivia, South America, um, and we signed a three-year term with them. And for me, Bolivia was very, very different than the year that I spent in, in Africa. Um, I was now a wife. I was a mother. Uh, Ella, our oldest, was two years old when we moved to Bolivia. Um, I had a miscarriage in the first year that we were there. Um, we were blessed to shortly after get pregnant and have Lydia in a very dramatic birth experience, which I will, I will share that another time, <laughs> not today. Um, but I definitely had some pretty hard postpartum depression after I had her. Um, and just as a young mother there, um, we were, I was very isolated. There was very few English speaking people in the city that we lived in. And for me, um, I, I was at home with my young children, and I, I watched my husband walk out the door every day and kind of live the dream that I thought God had for me. Um, the experience was not what I had pictured in my mind, um, how it was going to go. And so um, Bolivia was very hard for me, and I felt very broken um, and depressed while I was there. But... Um, Praise God that he is in the business of redeeming our brokenness. And um, after three years, we did, God brought us back from the mission field. And he has continued to give me, so and us as a family, so many opportunities to walk alongside other missionaries. And it has become just something near and dear to my heart to care for cross-cultural workers, cross-cultural missionaries and ministers. Um, and he continues to give us opportunities to do that. And every moment that I get to talk to someone about, about that, it is God just redeeming another piece of my heart um, that was broken when we were in Bolivia. So I'm so thankful, so thankful for that. And now we um, are working for an organization called Reconcile World. And I'm going to let John come up and share more about that. All right, yeah, I'll talk just briefly about Reconcile World. It's a ministry that you as a church have, uh, have entered into just um, a relationship with. And so let me just cover it uh, real quick. Um, let me also just say Reconcile World is just one of many amazing organizations doing great work around the world. So um, we'll celebrate several others this afternoon or th this morning in a few minutes. So um, let me just say that right off the bat. Uh, the vision of Reconcile World is to see God's kingdom overcome poverty and injustice. And so we work with churches, uh, we work with ministries to be the hands and feet of God's transforming power. Um, and one of the unique things about the organization is we don't have a singular mission like building wells or something like that. It's actually built around seven core principles, uh, biblical principles that are kind of the heartbeat of what we do. So 
Uh, let me just throw that slide up there about the seven core principles, and I'll just go through these real quick. You can read them. Depending on God, prayer and fasting, that's the, the anchor of everything that we do. We have a whole section of our ministry where there's people who are hired that all they do is pray and intercede for the, the vulnerable across the world and the ministries. Uh, on the right-hand side, focusing on the vulnerable, uh, oh, there's over 400 verses in the Bible that talk about God's heart for the poor and vulnerable. 400 verses. And so as a ministry, we specifically feel called to serving and, and caring for and loving the vulnerable, whether that's people in generational poverty, uh, whether that's uh, women who um, are, uh, have been violence against women, or whether it's children with disabilities, or those who are sick and needy. Whatever it is, they need a voice. And there are millions that are suffering, and so as an organization, we feel called to walk with them. Partnering with the church, uh, everything in our ministry is centered around the local church in that community or that nation. Um, you know, the church across the world and the majority world, that's majority world, everyone outside of the West, is incredibly capable. And so as we minister alongside them, we're seeing God do some amazing stuff. Nurturing truth and lies. Um, poverty, injustice, they're all rooted in lies. Satan's lies are what's holding people in bondage. And so as an organization, we are committed to saying, what is the lie that's, in, that's holding in bondage this situation, this community, these people, this, this uh, nation? And what can we do to speak truth and create a model that loves in the midst of that? Let me give you one example of that. In uh, many places across the world, um, uh, women are seen as inferior to men. It's a common lie anywhere you go, most of it outside of the West. And uh, it's a lie. And one of the things that uh, we see is in India, uh, women in, in particular are very, uh, seen as very low uh, pupils in their society. And um, the result of that has been this issue called gendercide, which gendercide is the killing of the girl child for cultural or religious reasons. So in India, if you have a girl, your child, your daughter is seen as a burden. So oftentimes what they will do is they will kill or abort their girl children for cultural or religious reasons. And so um, over the, the last years, many studies have been said, right now there's about 500,000 girls every year that go missing in India by sex-selective abortions. What that is is basically they, they see their, the woman's pregnant, she does a scan, sees that there's a girl, so they abort them because of the girl, because they're a girl. Or when the child is born, they kill them. It's called infanticide. The reason why they do that is cultural reasons, for one, but also because of the dowry system in India. When you have a daughter and she grows up to get married and you have to marry that daughter off, you have to play, pay a dowry, and that dowry is financially crippling to these families. And so they abort their children. It's rooted in a lie. And so we have a ministry in India called Indian Gendercide, which is fighting and confronting this lie. So what they do is they share about the sanctity of life that God values women, that there is intrinsic worth, what it means to be made in the image of God, and they fight against this injustice and this lie. So it's just a small example of what does it mean to nurture truth and lies. Um, so that's just briefly what the organization is built around. The next slide uh, talks a little bit about just each of the different ministries that we have, the expressions of ministries. Uh, I'll run through these really quick if you want to bring up the next slide. Um, I talked about the Indian gender side. Another one is a WDC, Holistic Discipleship Community, or Center, Holistic Discipleship Center. That's in Laos, uh, most persecuted country in Southeast Asia. They have youth come and they teach them a vocation in a school. 
Um, and out of that, they, uh, it's an underground. Nobody knows what's going on there. <laughs> but it's a discipleship school. So they have Bible studies, worship, and they're investing in leaders of the future. Um, in his image, it's a school for autistic kids. In India, if you are born with a disability, you are born with a curse. So they isolate them, they abuse them, they're exploited. So it's a school working with families uh, and children with autism. Raham is planting churches in the slums of Delhi, a city of 24 million people. Um, they're planting among the most vulnerable people in the world. There's churches planted among drug addicts, uh, among, among the homosexual community, among HIV-positive individuals, in mostly Islam areas and Hindu areas. Uh, I, words don't say how amazing the work they're doing. Indian genocide, I mentioned. The Great Commission in the lower right-hand corner, that's a really unique art ministry. They use art to speak truth. Um, for example, in, in India, uh, tuberculosis is a very infectious disease everywhere, but in India, if you have tuberculosis, you're seen as this isolated, they throw them in hospitals, they place them in, in places where you can't infect anyone. And so this ministry, for example, uh, spent several days at a tuberculosis hospital, listened to the stories of the people and the judgment that they feel and the pain and the suffering they feel from their isolation. Then they went back and they spent several days creating art that spoke the message of these people's lives. And they created this art. They had a gallery invited the Minister of Health in the city of Delhi. She came and saw the artwork, heard the story, and was just completely overwhelmed has put together a team of people to change the legislation in Delhi about how people with tuberculosis are treated. So it's about speaking truth into this issue, the sanctity of life and how these people are being treated. And finally, the TCT program is a rural church program um, working in 22 countries right now, uh, about 11,000 churches, equipping the church to be the hands and feet, uh, the gospel of Jesus in their neighborhood, loving others, um, phenomenal, phenomenal ministry. So anyways, that's just a really quick overview. I could talk hours about Reconcile World. Um, but the question you probably have is, well, what do you do? Well, the truth is uh, that all of these ministries are led by indigenous leaders and pastors. Um, and like any pastor, ministry is hard. It's difficult, whether you're in Sioux Falls or whether you're in Delhi, India, it's hard. And many of these are facing deep levels of persecution. Uh, many of them are working with the most vulnerable in the world, which is very hard. Uh, their ministries are constantly under threat. So they need someone to love them and invest in them. I'm the global staff pastor for Reconcile World, so I get this incredible opportunity to invest and love in these individuals on a daily, weekly basis. So I walk with them. Uh, social media, the way it is today, I communicate with them every day, about 30 to 40 staff members in various capacities, Skype, Zoom, all these other things. I can talk face-to-face -face with them listen to what they're dealing with, encourage them, pray for them, support them uh, in their suffering and in their challenges. I travel two to three times a year. Um, you can throw up the next picture. Uh, I travel two to three times. Oh, it didn't come out. Uh, it was a picture of some of our leaders. In, I was in Malaysia a few months ago, and we had a, a retreat. So when I travel, we'll do retreats, pray with them, spend time with their ministry. Um, so God has given me this really unique opportunity, and so much of it comes from the things that he did through the story that Jenny even shared, the passion that he has given us for ministry and for the globe and for the nations. Um, and uh, it's such a special blessing to be a part of that. God is weaving through the church across the globe a beautiful story of his love. And he invites us to enter into that journey. He's not asking us to be superheroes. 
He simply wants obedient servants to be people surrendered to his mission, to be obedient to the call and passionate for his glory. It says in Habakkuk 2.14 that the knowledge of his glory would fill the earth as the water covers the sea. May we be people who respond in obedience. May we be people who are willing to go across the neighborhood and across the world in boldness and obedience so that his name might be lifted high, that his name might be glorified among all peoples, all tribes, all tongues, and all peoples. To God be the glory. Okay, isn't it amazing what God has, has done right here in Life Church? He's brought so many people together who are having a tremendous impact and are continually being given spheres of influence, not just here around the church, but around the world. Um, and I think you can see today why I would say, hey, I like this guy, all right? Because he, he and his family are just a great gift to, to the kingdom of God. Um, and to Life Church as well. So we support uh, John and his family um, by supporting Reconciled World. Uh, the resources that we give go to this family to help them to do the work that they do uh, around the world. And so um, they are one of our, uh, one of the, the organizations that we are being generous to internationally. And we want to explain what the others are today and just just talk them through with you so that you have a good understanding of them um, and David and I are going to try to do that together here and we're going to kind of end up with Adam's Thermal Foundation today and let these guys come uh, they're sitting on the second row here and we're going to let them come and let them talk to you a little bit uh, as we're closing out today as all of these people are speaking to you whether it's John or Jenny or, or Adam's people or David and I Keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is working right now. And God is asking you what you will do. And so as we talk to you, this isn't about information overload, okay? This is about your heart and what will God ask of you as an individual from this day forward. And we're going to give you a chance to respond to the Lord as we close out today, okay? All right. David's going to talk to you about an orphanage that we support. Yes. Thank you, John and Jenny. So blessed by your words today. Just amazingly challenged and, and blessed. Um, this one is near and dear to my heart as far as a, a global ministry partner. Kinder Paradise is the orphanage in Ghana where we adopted Grace from. And of course, um, it's not usual that in an adoption you develop such a close relationship with the orphanage. Um, but God actually set this up for us um, in that the when we were in Ghana, um, the plan was, it was not a very good plan. It was, the plan was to meet Grace and take her that day from her orphanage, and, and, and then she would go into um, sort of a, a foster care home. They kind of called it something different, but it would be that. So she would be uprooted that day, be with a family she had never met before, and then placed in a foster care home until two months later when we go back and get her. And the director of that orphanage is a German lady. She planted it 20 years ago. Her name's Silky. She came to Accra, which is the capital city, and said, please don't do this. This is not good for the children. And Grace has been through so much trauma. This will re-traumatize her. And so we said, well, we agree. What, do you, what should we do? Um, and she said, well, we will keep her here, and we will get her ready. But we didn't find out about this until this week. And so we said, okay, we're in. 
And through that week, we came to Kinder, saw the organization. It's a Christian home developed by um, two ladies that developed it for street children, um, uh, vulnerable children. And, and they, they take them and they give them an education all on site. And they produce members of society that can give back to the community there in Accra. And so it's just an incredible opportunity for us to get an education into what they do at Kinder Paradise and into the needs that they have. And they're fully supported by the church in Germany and around the world. They're really hard to give to. I was telling Pastor Bill, like some of the best organizations have terrible giving platforms. They're just awful. They're just almost like almost impossible. So I actually have to go to Walmart, get a money order and send it to Ghana. And that's how we will give to Kinder Paradise. Um, But do we have pictures up on the screen of... I'm not sure exactly what they, but they have some prayer requests that they sent me this week. Heike is the, the doctor that works on the missions base there, and she gave me some prayer requests, some, some, some significant needs that they have, and so we're just blessed to partner with them at Kinder Paradise. Amen. Okay, um, so now we have a pastoral family who is pastoring indigenous leaders around the world, and we're supporting them. We have an orphanage in Africa that we're supporting uh, that ha- deeply cares for their, their orphans, and uh, we, we just join with them to, to support them financially. Um, so now I'm going to talk to you about uh, an organization called Gateway Brazil. Uh, Gateway Brazil uh, is an organization that I got involved with personally uh, through uh, working with some people in the south of Brazil in Porto Alegre. Um, we got to go and be with them. We took a large contingency of people from this church uh, on an outreach there. Uh, and uh, over time, we developed relationship with one particular family. Uh, that family uh, was moved by the Lord uh, into other ministries outside of the local church. Uh, and they became the leaders of Gateway. Gateway is an organization that equips and uh, trains young men and women but they do it in an intergenerational setting. So there are men and women and boys and girls, families coming together, all working together and being trained and being equipped with the intent that some of these individuals will answer full-time mission roles around the world, uh, that some of them will be midterm missionaries working in support roles with other missionaries who are full-time or some type of ministry in other countries as well as Brazil, and even short-term missionaries where a lot of the young people uh, who are involved in the local church in Brazil are trained and equipped to go out for short-term missions to see whether or not, to kind of test the waters, to step out a little bit, to see whether or not they might be called into full-time work. Gateway Brazil has sent uh, missionaries into Asia, uh, into Israel, and into a number of other South American countries as well over a short period of years. Um, I get to go to Brazil and be a part of Gateway. I'm on their advisory team. Uh, So I get to work with them locally. I am one of the equippers and trainers that works uh, within the conferences and in the the discipleship training schools. Uh, They are closely connected to YWAM. Uh, They're also closely connected to uh, King's Kids. 
Um, and so they utilize the network of these ministries when they do outreaches. Uh, people from this church have done outreaches in various areas of Brazil, San Paulo, uh, Rio de Janeiro, uh, Porto Alegre, Belém, which is up on the Amazon River. Um, in 2019, there are going to be several opportunities. Some of you would be privileged to go if the Lord would lead you to Brazil. In particular, in July of 2019, there will be an outreach on the Amazon River. Uh, you might be one of the people who will go and be a part of that particular outreach. In 2020, in the month of July, the, the Amazon outreaches in July of 2019. But in 2020, um, the Olympics will be in Tokyo. Uh, this particular church has been invited uh, to consider prayerfully a team that would join and be a part of a Brazilian team that we would get to go and support them. And I want you to understand what I'm saying when I say that, all right? We don't get to go... And, and be the stars, all right? This isn't about rock star stuff at an Olympics and you get to go and enjoy the Olympics. This is about you and I doing whatever servant work is necessary to empower other people to go and do the work of ministry as God has called them to do, all right? So we become the servant feet. We become the foot washers, if you will, of those people whose, whose feet are so beautiful because they have been called to share the good news of Jesus. But this is the kind of work that God is calling Life Church to come along beside of. And so Gateway Brazil has been an important part of that. You have met one family. They came and stayed in my home for two months um, in, in the winter to get to know you. Um, I am told now that, that among this family and others uh, in an area called Patangi, which is in the outback of Brazil, uh, there are like 20 plus people or families who actually listen to the Life Church podcast every Sunday. And when people ask, well, where do you go to church? They say, Life Church. <laughs> Even though they attend a lot of other churches and do ministry, it's like Life Church is our home and they love hearing the gospel in English. And so we actually, as a church, have an impact. They listen to the worship and, and to whoever's preaching, and it's a great thing. So that is Gateway Brazil, and you give to that uh, on an annual basis. All right, and um, our next ministry partner, if we could bring up their picture. Uh, I'm going to be intentionally vague about them because they're missionaries in a part of the world that is um, very touch-and-go and has been for the last couple of years. Yes. I'm not even going to say their name, actually, just because this is going to be on a podcast. But you can see them up there. Uh, we were introduced to our friends uh, by Jennifer Ross. She's good friends with them. And uh, they, they were called to this area of the world uh, to, to plant, and this is their home. And, um, and if, you, if, you want, if you're wondering about what area of the world they're in, I put it on the prayer sheet. So um, we should be able to, to have that information go out. It's, it's the email that they send out for their support. But... Um, they go with Frontier Ministry, uh, and one of the, the criteria that we have for sending missionaries or for supporting missionaries that go around the world is that they be with a reputable organization. That's one of the things that we want because, obviously, we're not a missions training base. Uh, we're, not, 
equipped to do that really well. Um, and so we said, hey, let's, there's, like John said, there's lots of different organizations that train people to do this really well, hold them accountable, provide support. And so if we're going to support them as a church, we want to know that they're with a reputable organization, that they're being taken care of in a certain way. And so they're um, doing some fantastic work, especially with Syrian refugees. And that was the way that we got introduced to them as we said, look, this is one of the greatest humanitarian crises um, of our time. And how do we be involved? And this cool opportunity came up where they were actually working in a refugee camp. And we just got to know them. They came two years ago and spoke at the old building. Fantastic family doing some incredible things. And that's one of the reasons we can't talk about it, right, is because they're just doing some amazing things in the area that God has called them to in global mission. So really blessed to be partnering with them and uh, super excited to, to see what God does in the future. Sure. Can we bring up the Adams Thermal people? We've got a great team here today from Adams Thermal. And uh, just so excited. You guys heard Mike and his wife, Kim, last year uh, came. And, and we're just so thrilled that this partnership has developed and that we get to be so close to a ministry that does so much. Obviously, we've supported um, organizations like World Vision in the past and did a lot of work in Swaziland uh, to bring clean water to people um, over there. But now uh, we're partnered up with Adams Thermal Foundation. And we announced uh, a little over a month ago that we're trying to raise money for desks and chairs and for an outdoor cafeteria. And so I just want them to talk a little bit about what they're doing and um, how blessed we are to be partnered up with this ministry. Well, thank you so much. And what a blessing it is just to hear what's all happening at Life Church and, and uh, how God's really being glorified through everything you're doing. So this has been just an encouragement for us. Just so happy that we don't have our whole family here, but that my kids get to hear this too. You know, as a dad, you know how that is, right, as a parent. So what a blessing this morning has been. Um, but yes, uh, we want to give you just a quick update. Um, we were, you know, there's a lot going on in Ethiopia. As many re may remember, we have over 1,200 kids in two schools, Hosanna and Atoro. And these are the poorest of the poor. These kids wouldn't be going to school. They wouldn't be getting anything really to eat. You know, it's just a really uh, poor area. But they love the Lord. And, you know, our teachers are tell telling them about Jesus every day. But you know what? These are, we've been blessed, but where we're working, these are Christian families, you know. And so in some ways, some of our work is easier, right, than what you were just referring to with some missionaries and where they're going. And these families have been praying for generations, and we're seeing God answering those prayers, and we get to be there. You know, it's just such a blessing. And I just want to talk about, uh, real briefly, and then and, and give Pastor Samuel and Eric a chance to share just real quick, but, you know, in our schools, uh, one of the schools, a Toro, uh, was built in 2007 and then Hosanna in 2009. And so we have the privilege this year of having our first graduating class of high school students in Hosanna. But one of the things about our schools is those original desks and chairs, you know, we've been focused on a lot of things like meal programs and teacher salaries. And, you know, uh, we're based in Canton, and all of the teachers and staff are are our staff. So God's blessed us with being able to, you know, to be able to have a foundation that, and, and you guys have already heard the history of that, but we had the, the chairs and desks were crumbling and falling apart. And one of the things when you're a child that may not have parents, you might be really in deep poverty, which our kids are, a school uniform, for example, is such a blessing and they feel like they don't deserve it. They're like, what? These clothes are for us. And the same thing with what you guys have done. 
you know, when we initially came and, uh, or when we were talking about, uh, after Kim and I shared what project to do together, well, I think we initially shared with you a very large number. It was like $10,000 to get the chairs and desks that needed to be fixed in Hosanna and Toro fixed. And then, or new ones, new ones. And then we had to come back, I think a little bit later, Tad did and said, oh, you know, we found a few more. It's really not the number. And we thought, well, should we even tell them this? Well, we're going to tell them, you know. So, so then, you know, that was embarrassing. But the number came out to when we finally get the quotes and everything and the actual number we had, you know, it was over 300 of these desks and chairs that needed to be replaced, or roughly that number. And it was like $14,000. And praise the Lord, you guys, you know, through, through the love of Christ in your hearts, you raised $14,550. And I just want to praise God for that. We are so blessed with that. And, you know, when you think about these kids, when we bring, so we're going to go ahead and buy those desks and chairs, and when we bring those in, how honoring that is and what that does to those children in terms of their self-esteem and realizing there's a, they're a child of the king and, and there are people around the world that care for them and Jesus is, is, is doing this. So just so excited. Our, our main purpose here is just wanted to say thank you. Now, a couple other uh, brief updates. Um, Pastor Samuel is going on Monday. He's flying to Ethiopia for two weeks. Tad Anderson is already there. I just asked Samuel to share real quickly one item uh, that we're going to turn on and just talk about the water project. Good morning. So, uh, Otoro is one of the, the town of Otoro is one of our where our school is. They don't have the clean water access in that town. That means because of that, you know, kids will die. And, you know, they don't clean themselves. So God's willing, one of the next week, we will open up the water project. You know, 2018, that was our main project for Adam's Foundation. So God's willing, it will be completed. It is completed. So next week, the town of Otoro will have access for clean water. So that is a huge thing. That is a huge thing. And that... And that will give us a great opportunity to share for the community about the living water, which cleans all of our sins and which gives eternal life. God bless you. So we wanted to share that because we had been sharing that. Many of you guys knew about that project. Samuel has the privilege of being able to turn the valve, really, right? You know, obviously, we'll let them turn the valve, but be there, right, and see that water, and it's, it's just awesome. Uh, and if you, and, uh, you'll see some of the details if you want more. It's on our website, but it's pretty neat. And, and the other thing we wanted to say real quickly is, you know, we've talked, and you, we've talked to many of you about a potential trip to Ethiopia, you know, being part of that. Whenever that may be, whenever the Holy Spirit might, uh, you know, direct you in that direct direction. And this, as we've talked about this morning, that's what this is about, too, is God's moving, right? And the Holy Spirit's here. And maybe one of you in your heart is saying, I would like to go see, go and see. And so... I've just asked Eric to talk real briefly about, hey, what's a trip to Ethiopia like? You know, when we take people over, what's that look like? So the first thing you need to do is pray. And then when you get to the airport, it's first thing, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. The trip is 16 to 17 hours. So again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. And then you get to Otis, and it's a big city. 
It's like Los Angeles. It's like Sioux Falls. You're like, wow, this is Ethiopia. And then you get in a van, and you drive four hours, and then it's like going to Rock Valley. Or, <laughs> and then it's like you're driving into the country, and you're like, oh, dirt roads. People are walking everywhere. Where are the cars? Why are the donkeys? Look at all those jugs on the back of that vehicle. I turned to Sammy and I said, what's that for? He says, that's where they get their, that's their drinking water. I went, wow, what are all those little carts for? That's their taxis. Oh, so you see people walking everywhere. So again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. We get to the school, you enter the gates of the school and the kids, they beam with like, wow, you're here, thank you appreciation, gratitude of their attitude is so much gratitude of thank you for coming. And, you know, you come to schools in America and it's like, what are you doing in our school? <laughs> and there they're like, thank you. And then they surround you and they, they're, you're, they're happy you're there. They want to touch you. They want to know that you, you're there. They're, they're like they're excited to see you. And then they never leave you alone. <laughs> and then they have to like Swat them off, you know? Like, hey, get back, get back. Leave them alone. You're like the rock star. And then you go up to Otoro, and you're walking around in Otoro, and it's almost as high as Denver, I believe, right? It's, it's pretty high up. It's, it's mountainous. Um, it gets about 33 degrees. It doesn't snow, but it gets cold. Uh, my girl lives there uh, that I sponsor, and I go to her home, and I'm thinking, she lives in a hut. She doesn't have a refrigerator. She doesn't have a light. They don't have a shower. They don't have a microwave. She doesn't have a bed. They have a dirt floor. The cow sleeps next to the mother. Um, the goat lives in the house. They don't have a stove. Okay, this is rural. This is camping. It gets cold there. What does she have for clothing? Where do you wash your clothes? In the river that's four miles away. Rural. It's not what we have. Different. So again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. Get in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. And, but they have joy in the Lord. And they have the love for God that is amazing. And they don't know they're poor. We see poor. They don't see poor. You know what they see? They see that they love God. They, this, they live this way. They don't know that they're poor. They just see that's their way of life. We acknowledge that they're poor. But they're not poor. Because they have the Lord in their life. They're rich. And they look at us with our cell phones. And we lose it, and then we become poor. We lose the remote, and then we become poor. So again, trust in the Lord. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. So just real briefly, when you do go on that trip, like Eric mentioned, you know, it's just a week. It just takes a, it's a week long, and we would invite any of you to come. One of the things I'd add to what Eric said, and he said it so well, is we see the Holy Spirit. When I go on these trips, I see God moving here, but God moves in a special way when we're down there, and I always look forward to that and seeing what he's doing. So, again, uh, lastly, again, thank you so much for what you guys have done. You've been a huge encouragement to us. 
this gift for the schools, what a blessing. And I can't wait to go down there and, and, and see the kids when they see these new desks and chairs. Uh, so just, just bless you guys. Thanks again. Okay. Um, hey, Adams guys, why don't you just stay up here? Why don't you just come back and stand up here for a minute? John, why don't you bring your family up over here on this side and, and, and stand with us? Um, here's what we'd like to do in closing today. I'd like for uh, all of you, and you're sitting there going, well, this is my world. This is, this is where I'm at. I really can't like relate, or I can't do this, or I can't do what they're doing, or whatever. This isn't about what you can or can't do. This is about what God is asking of you, all right? And if we look out of our own logical sense, we'll never do anything for God because God doesn't always ask us for logical, sensible things. And some of you, you're sitting here, and God's asking you to open up your resources and be generous. That's a great, great thing to do, and you need to do that. You know, we're not done. You know, we've, we've been able to buy some desks and chairs, but there's a whole school that needs a cafeteria, a dining hall, a multi-purpose center, and we need to build that for them. All right, these, these things are out there in front of us, and we want to do them. So we, so we need you. Those of you who have resources, we need your resources, and we need you to be generous in this time um, with them. All right. Um, and there are some of you, God's called you to stay right where you are and pray, and pray and intercede constantly for the people who do go. And you need to do that. You need to make those times available to pray. But there are some of you here, God has called you. And it may be initially short-term. It may be a mid-term kind of thing, but it may be long-term. And it may be somewhere where you don't even realize you're going. When Abram was called, God said, get up and go to a place I will show you. All right? And so today, for some of you, it's a day of getting up and going. And going just simply might mean coming down here and in a very public and tangible way declaring that God has put a call upon my life and I'm going to go wherever God will show me. And that's what I want to happen right now. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And if you are one of those people and you know that somehow, somewhere, God has put a call on your, on your life, and the only word that really stirs your soul deeply is go. You don't know how it's going to happen. You don't need to right now. You just need to answer the call. And we have been praying, 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 and praying. God, send someone. Send someone. And we've named nation after nation and country after country and geographical region after geographical region. Would it not be like God to make that call right here in-house? If you're one of those people, I want you to come and I want you to just stand right here between Adams and between Reconciled World, all right? Just come stand right here. Would you come now? You don't need to wait. You know. You know that there's a call on you. You know God is doing this. You don't know what it all looks like, but would you come? Because we want to pray for you. Amen.
This isn't a matter of age. This isn't a matter of gender. This isn't a matter of financial ability. This isn't a matter of family ties. This is God calling. If you're sitting there and there's any inkling in you that I should be up there, get up here. Don't, don't, don't miss this opportunity for this, all right? Anybody else? This is your chance. What I want to say to all of you is you belong to the Lord. And there's nothing in mine and David's heart that would, we would want more than to just pastor you, take care of you. But we can't do that fully unless we're willing to hold you loosely and let you go. And so these moments are about affirming you to understand that in this call, you are not alone, but we are with you. This church will support you. We will send you. We will hold you in whatever way God allows us to. Help us to know how to do that. Help us to understand how we can help you to fulfill this call and then do it just do it all right we're with you we're behind you you go in the name of the lord all right you do what god has put in your heart to do and don't think small because your god is so big all right and god is putting people around you and networking with us so that we can all do this together, all right? And we will all do so much more together than any one of you would ever do alone. Don't go this alone, all right? You need this body of people with you to do this, and we need to do this with you for what God has for all of us together. Can I pray for you this morning, please? Would you just reach your hands this way, just agree right now for these um, if you don't know them by name, introduce yourself to them today and get to know who they are, all right? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we release these men and women to you for your purposes in the kingdom of God. We ask you, Father, that you would bring to life this calling that you have put inside each of them, and that this calling and this anointing to go would flourish in every one of them. We pray, God, that their minds would be renewed today in that calling, that you would ignite passion in them, Lord, and burden, Lord, for those places that you have called them to. We ask you, God, that you would help us as Life Church, as a body, as a family, as a community together, that you would, you would help us, Lord, that we would be generous in our resources, that we would be constant in our prayers, and that we would be genuine in our affirmation and our care for each one of them. We pray, Father, that you would, through Life Church, reach the uttermost parts of the earth. We pray that this group of people standing before you and others who will come along after them, that they would be the answer to the prayers that we have prayed for you to bring the gospel to the world. Do this, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God.